So while they're heading out, let me explain, for those of you who are visiting, what, what we just did. In this sermon series this fall, we are using as our guide the Jesus Storybook Bible, a children's Bible. The words from the story, the pictures from, the story, from this book. And we're doing this uh, for a couple reasons. One, it's, it can be pretty intimidating to just start reading the Bible. It's confusing. What, what are we doing here? And people try and they don't get very far because they don't have a sense of the, of the story. And so if you were new to the Bible, I would encourage you to turn to a New Testament book that, towards the two-thirds of the way in and start with the stories about Jesus that you can find, especially maybe in Mark or Luke. But to get a picture of the whole story, it is helpful when it comes to us like this. This is one of the children's Bibles we've used in our home, and I think it's the best one. And um, it, what it talks about at the very first chapter is how sometimes people will say, you know, these, this is just a book of rules, it's just a book of mean-spiritedness. Okay, okay, there are commands. There are things that God says, this is how you should live. That's in there. Um, but... This is what the storybook Bible says about uh, the Bible itself. If you can bring up on the screen, there are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And so this fall, we're looking at the stories in the Bible we called from the Old Testament. These are stories before Jesus is born, before God comes as a human being and Jesus is born. But in all these stories, it is pointing to Jesus, and that's what we want to especially focus on. So last week, we talked about creation, how God created everything. And when he created it, he would speak it into being, and he, it would happen, and then he would see it, and he would say, it's good. And he did that over and over again. The, the, he created the heavens and the earth, but they were formless and empty, and so he created form. There was you know, light and sea and sky and land, and then since it was empty, he filled it with sun and moon and stars and fish and birds and animals and humans, and he said it's good, and when he got to humans, it was, he was even very good. When it got to humans, he didn't make them like he made everything else. It was more intimate, more connected, and he said, humans, you are part of making the world like it's going to be. You're, you're created. Every one of you is created in God's image, and we have some responsibility. We have dominion. We have like what we do makes a difference, and that's how he made us. And last week we talked about, it, it points to Jesus when he comes back, says there can be a new creation. And anyone who receives him will be called children of God and part of the new creation that's coming when he makes everything right. But why did we need a new creation in the first place? Well, that's the story we just watched. And that's the story we're going to look at today from the Bible. So Jacob, I'm going I'm to skip to chapter 3, verse 1 in a second. So God gives a command. He, he has created everything, and it is good. I mean, it's just like there's not a lot of words in Genesis chapter 1, but everything that's happening, it is good. It is good. It is really good. It's super good, and it's for you. Go at it. And so he's got all these things, but then he says, you know, there's, 
one thing, I want you to trust me in a relationship so there's one tree you can't eat. I mean, there is stuff everywhere else, but don't eat from this tree. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now in this story, what we're going to see is ways that evil comes to all of us to separate us from God. All of us are susceptible to the ways that happened with the first humans. So did God, did God really say this? God, are we really supposed to follow this? His word? Did he really say? I mean, like, not totally. Not, I mean, don't go too far with it. He will come to all of us like that. Goes on. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the, the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So the temptation that comes says, God, that's not the God. I, God wouldn't want that. God wouldn't say that. So, so let's just, let's just, uh, can you think about that for a while? Did he really say it? And what gets going in that is, he's holding back on me. God's holding back. I, if I did that, my life would be worse. I'd be missing out. Things wouldn't be so good. And so we're susceptible to not trust God, who has our best intentions in mind, because we got this thought that, like, oh, then I'll be missing out, then, uh, then I'll be left out, then, I'll, then I won't get... And that's what's happening with Eve. And notice that she... Well, you wouldn't notice this because I didn't go through the whole thing. God did not say, don't touch it. So what we can tend to do when we think about God is act like he's more severe than he is. Like, God said, don't eat from this tree. Yeah, God said, and don't even touch it. Because now what are you thinking about God? Man, killjoy God. Verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he tells an outright lie, because God did say that, they would die, and he tells a half-truth. Something would change. They would know good and evil. Like, right now, they're inclined only for good. They're inclined only for good. Everything's good, and that's what their inclination is, to trust God, to trust each other, to live for each other, to be good to each other, to be good to God's creation. All of that, it's all, that's their natural inclination. But when they don't trust God and they do the one thing he says not to, now they are inclined to both. They're inclined to both, and when you start doing the evil, the bad, the wrong, it leads to consequences, and it starts to multiply on itself. And it starts to impact everything, including creation. When the woman saw that the fruit... Actually, let's skip to verse 8. So the, the woman eats the tree. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Seems kind of silly. God spoke and like creation... Planets, stars, fish. He just speaks. He is hes pretty impressive. They hear God, and they think they can hide from him. They think they can just live as if he's not part of it. They can just do their own thing. We're talking about God. And it seems silly that Adam and Eve would think like, hey, I know where God won't find us. He'll never find us here. 
Except that that's what we're like too. Oh, I'll just live. I just won't think about God. And then he won't, then he won't notice what's happening. I'll never forget. Wedding. My brother. How much detail should I give on live stream? Anyway, it was my brother's wedding. Go to a reception afterwards. So there was like the reception because we had, it was like a Dutch marriage and a German marriage. Okay, Schmitz are German. Dutch weddings mean you go and have a little juice and cake afterwards in the church basement. This is like old school, years ago. German weddings meant you rented the hall, you got out the kegs, open bar. So the Dutch won out and the reception, no alcohol. But then the Germans had an after party. So I come to the after party to see all my, you know, the people that I know, my friends. And one of, of my friends, my parents' friends, actually, in terms of age, um, I walk up. So now I'm a pastor at this point. But I mean, I grew up a little Andy with, with her. But anyway, I, and she's had a few. And, uh, and she says, oh, Andy, you're here like this. I said, yeah? Well, I just, I mean, she was embarrassed. I said, I said Jesus is always here. <laughs> anyway, man, I'm getting way off track. We got to keep, keep focused. Okay. Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The, the, woman, the man said, the woman you put me with here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So here's what happens when we do what we're not supposed to do, when we live in a way that we're not supposed to live. Our, we have two inclinations, usually both, and we kind of bounce and forth. One is shame, and so we hide. We don't feel, we feel like... If anyone knew us, especially if God knew us, well, geez, nobody, if they really knew. And the other is blame. Well, it's their fault. They didn't want to like something like that. It's all because we know something's not quite right. So we've got to find a way to, something's not quite right. Moving on. So the Lord God said to the serpent, the beast itself, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I'm feeling the snake had legs before this. Then, it's like he's talking to the snake, but he's no longer talking to the beast. He's talking to the evil devil, the one that, is, that, the, that the snake kind of cooperated with and partnered with and allowed to influence. And I will put enmity between you, devil, and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We'll get back to that because that's important. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So, well, let me keep going. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you, mu you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And we all will. Adam, by the way, just means earth. 
Like in English, it would have been like he named him Dusty. Like, this is what he came from. Anyway, so here's what happens. When they go off the mark, when they lose their innocence by, by breaking that command, and now they know good and evil and choose good and evil, there is a natural curse that comes. And the curse has to do with pain we experience. The curse has to do in our relationships are no longer working like they're supposed to. The curse has to do with the frustration of our work. The curse has to do with nature itself is under a curse. And so God created everything good, and we can still see it good. He created every person good in his image, and that's still there. But so is another part. But so is another part. And now, where are we at in this? There is a curse. And he did say he would die. And so spiritually, something died immediately. But the process of dying is what begins on this day. A few more verses from Genesis. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had taken back. Now, if we think of God as harsh and strict and mean and short temper and you can't do much, if we think of him like that, it sounds like, oh, and then he just banishes them. Like it's a negative thing. No. I think the story got it right. Like, we don't want to live forever like this with cuts and scrapes and pains and heartaches and broken. We don't want to live forever and ever like this. He's got a different plan. And we see part of what he's doing right from there because. On the day you eat, you will surely die. But they didn't die that day. Spiritually, they did. They started dying, but they didn't die that day. How is that? Well, they had, like, they covered themselves with, like, leaves, but God covered them with skins. Where do skins come from? Something had to die. Something died in their place that day to temporarily cover them and allow them to live. And what this points to is for us to get right with God again, somebody who didn't deserve to die needed to die in our place. And he did. And it's the covering, not just a temporary covering, but it's the covering for all the sins we've, all the ways we've messed up in the past, all the things we might do wrong in the future. He did it. And when he did this is when his heel was bruised. He was bruised and beaten and bloodied, but when evil was crushed. Because now there was a way for humanity to be restored. All who will receive him, because he's done this, have the right to become children of God. That's the opportunity for all of us because of this. Now, for a few minutes, what I'd like to do is talk about the curse of nature. Nature itself, creation itself, was cursed back then and still lives with a curse. And it comes from us. It comes from us. So Jesus is getting asked about, like, when are, when are things going to go down? When are things going to go down in the end? And he gives them some, some answer to his disciples. He says, this is from Luke chapter 21, verse 8 and 10, 
He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come... Ooh, that might not be it. What verse did I say? 10. Here we go. Then, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences, pandemics in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. He goes on to say, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Nature itself, creation itself will be shaken. And I think from the Bible, there is like an acceleration. The closer we get towards Jesus' return, the more of this will happen. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now, it's easy to say like, man, Jesus is like 2,000 years ago. What are the odds this is really going to happen? I mean, that hasn't happened yet. What makes us think it'll happen now? But the Bible says the day of the Lord is like 1,000 years and 1,000 years a day. So from the Lord's perspective... It's not quite been two years or two days since this happened. And he was in the ground for two days before he rose again. And so, verse 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole, whole earth beyond the watch and pray that you may be able to escape what is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, whether he comes back and restores it all in our lifetime or not for a thousand years, we are going to all stand before him because that's what happens. That's, we have a creator. He says, this is what happens. And to all who receive him, who call on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. One more passage from Romans. And I want you to see the connection between us and creation. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation, what's creation? Well, I mean, mountains, streams, insects, the sky, stars. It waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Elsa and I are reading through the Chronicles of Narnia and then watching the movies after we've read the ones that got turned into movies. And in The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe, you get a picture of this. Because the white witch has taken over Narnia. And there it has been winter for a hundred years, but never Christmas. And then four people from, from England, little kids, pop onto the scene. They don't know what's going on. They're just kids. But they're going up. But their entry, like the animals are excited about it. People are excited about it. Like, Son of Adam and a daughter of Eve. Sons of Adam and daughter of Eve. And as they're there, the longer they're there, all of a sudden St. Nicholas shows up. It's Christmas. All of a sudden, it's melting. It's spring. It's like just showing up. 
God has said, all right, things are going to be restored again. That's what creation is waiting for. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration. It was cursed. Not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Who are the children of God? To all who receive Jesus and call on his name. He gives the right to be children of God. And then our destiny is part of glorious restoration of all kinds of things that we can't even imagine right now. That's what's coming. And so he says, I consider our present sufferings, it's hard. Not to be able to even compare to the glory that will be revealed in those who said yes to Jesus. Last paragraph that I'm going to read. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, daughtership, the redemption of our bodies. Creation is waiting. It is groaning. It is in the pains of childbirth now. Pains of childbirth. We got five kids. I vaguely remember things about pregnancy and childbirth. I remember being very uncomfortable and my back hurting and feeling like it's probably a bad idea to bring this up right now. But anyway, <laughs> when you have contractions, not me, others, have contractions and they're like 20 minutes apart. Okay, We're, there's no nerve. 10 minutes apart? Seven minutes apart? Five minutes apart? Like, we're getting closer. Now people are starting to get, you know, in the room is starting to get a little... Because you know, when it's getting closer together, the birth is about to happen. And Jesus talks about, how, how are we going to know when, when we're getting close? Well, watch natural stuff, what's happening. So in the U.S., you can bring up this slide. In the U.S., the average, I think this is between 1980 and 2021, the average of, of natural disasters, there's a certain threshold of damage, of cost, to which they would get, entitle something a natural disaster, was 8.3 a year. So far, in 2023, it's 23. Of course, that's in the United States. Now, in Canada, if we go to the next picture, we've got the fires happening. I don't remember in my lifetime, like, noticing, like, Canada's on fire. But I can tell right here in Iowa. Okay, next slide. So over 50,000 people died from that earthquakes that hit Syria and Turkey in February. Next one. I think this is Morocco. This is from a week and a half ago. I'm blanking on the exact number. It's not like the 50,000, but it's, I think it's 3,000 dead. A lot of damage. Libya right now flooded. Over 11,000 people have died. I think 30,000 missing. More floods. I can't even remember. Cyclone, I think that's China, Hong Kong. In, in September, there were eight massive floods in the first 11 days of September. Now, if I, if I bring up climate change here, I know we're going to have some people in here who are like, uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't go for climate change. I don't think it, whatever. They're not, and then we're going to have other people who are like, how can you doubt climate change? 
I'm never going to win in that. All right? So I'm not bringing that up, and I'm not qualified to. This says, take care of the creation. God said when he made us, and he keeps saying it, take care of your creation. So that's, there's my statement. But why I'm bringing this up today is because regardless of what the causes are of this, God said this would happen as we get closer. And it could be that God is saying, hey, world that ignores me, the one who created you, can I get your attention? Can I get your attention? Or are we just going to, you'll never see me here. Great, now I can do whatever I want. Life doesn't work however we want to do it. We need God. We were created for him. And he loves us. And he wants life with us, like all of life, not just showing up in church every couple months. All of life. He's part of all of life. One of the floods in the first 11 days of September was at the Burning Man Festival. Now, the Burning Man Festival is in like a desert in California. And it is godless. Like, by their own, like, promotion, it is godless. They do things that are basically pagan rituals as part of the... That's not what everyone's there for, but that's part of what they do there. And they, they say, they have 10 core values. One of them is we are self-reliant. We are self-reliant. Godless. We are self-reliant. And what happened? 70,000 people got stuck there because rain came and flooded it. And they could not, like, it's a desert. It doesn't drain. It's just mud up to their knees. and They're stuck. They can't get out of there. Now, do I think God is like, oh, those, those people who do the really bad things, I'm going to do this to them. No. But I do think he might say, Okay, if this is a thing where you are declaring in your practices, your rituals, your statements, everything, that you are self-reliant and you don't need me, I'm just going to give you one moment of what that looks like. One moment of what it looks like on your own. And in a desert, there's a flood. And they couldn't get the cars out of there, so some people walked through, and they said it's like a boot around your boot as they're walking out, and they interviewed one person that made it, you know, walked, hiked out of there, and he said it was, it's his quote, that hike was like pure hell. Well, that's what hell is. Hell is, we don't want God, and eventually, he says, okay. And if you don't have him, that's what hell is. That's not just about people doing some festival. This is all of us. We are all in this together. And we're all invited together to say yes to Jesus and to be part of his restoring work, which we can experience now, and we also have a promise it will be like incredible in the days to come. And so the question today is just, have you received Jesus? Do you want to receive Jesus? And if you have, but you've never been baptized, or you were only baptized as a child, but have never said yes in a faith community and joining a faith community, that could be your step.
I'll have the worship team come up. Hmm. We're going to close with one song. And pray before we do. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that when we try to hide from you, you don't just leave us, I don't know, you don't force yourself on us, but you don't just leave us. You come looking for us. Again and again, you come looking for us. Where are you? You're saying, I love you. I'm here. Thank you that you made a way for us. In Jesus. Thank you that if we receive him, we can be part of your family. Lots of us in this room have done that. And yet it's easy to get distracted, to get pulled away. And so whether we never have, or whether we have a bunch of times, a lot of us want to say yes to you again. We do want to receive you, Jesus. We don't want to hide from you. We want to be with you. Thank you that you love us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.